to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Everything this Democratic Party and the Biden administration accuse Trump of having wrongfully done or criminally done, they are in fact guilty of themselves. Here we go again. It just never ends with the Democratic Party. And everything that the American people are driven to outrage by is exhibited in this latest example. Yet again, it was just last year that the media establishment, Joe Biden himself, were trying to seek some kind of a criminal indictment of Donald Trump for doing something uh, that was not criminal at all. And the media out there, of course, look, you know, I'm going to play a clip of The View in a second with Joy Behar. Uh, I, I, it, it is stunning to me. Um that these women have a show. I guess not because uh, in this America that we inhabit, you know, the view, it's not entertainment. Uh, the media, they are not journalists. They're propagandists. And their sole purpose, of course, is to cover for the Democratic Party, to put out Democratic Party propaganda, to push this false narrative that ensures that they win elections, to change public opinion, And these women are the least qualified people in America to discuss these types of issues. Now, the media and the Democrats are getting one thing right. The latest revelation, breaking story that Joe Biden had classified top secret documents in a closet at a, I know it's ironic, a Biden think tank. Well, it is nothing like Trump having classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Do you know why? It's very, very simple. And this is really the only point that needs to be made. Donald Trump was president of the United States. Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States. Donald Trump has access, and I will read you verbatim what the actual Presidential Records Act states. Donald Trump has the authority to access any classified document he wants for five years after he leaves the presidency. Five years. He can view them wherever he wants. He doesn't have to go to the White House to look at them. And most importantly, as many smart conservatives on our side have have been making, that the media is ignoring, of course, is that Donald Trump, as president, has the sole authority to declassify documents. That's right. Any document he wishes, as the president, that is his right as the sole executive, right? The executive branch is one person, the president of the United States, which was Donald Trump. Now, what happened here? This, of course, is another example of the media covering up before the midterm elections, something that was going to, of course, uh, damage the Democratic Party, and Joe Biden. But, um, you know, Joe Biden, you know, actually, Captain, pull up cut one. I I just want you to hear Joe Biden attacking Donald Trump for having 
classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Go ahead and play cut one just to hear this. And you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. And you don't know. Indeed. How the hell does that happen, Joe Biden? I would ask you. How the hell does the vice president, former vice president of the United States, have classified documents that he doesn't have the access to, doesn't have the right to declassify, locked up, supposedly, in a closet at a university where his think tank is located? How could anyone be that irresponsible, Joe? That's exactly what Joe Biden said about Trump. And, you know, we're going to get into this more. You know, um, there are a lot of media talking points out there that, of course, are missing the point, trying to suggest that, you know, uh, intent. We have to talk about the intent, right? And I got a clip coming up from Lawrence O'Donnell over on, on, what is he, MSNBC or NBC about that, the intent. Well, what was the intent of Joe Biden having these classified documents in a locker? And furthermore, you know, they're trying to paint this portrait of, of Donald Trump who was trying to hide something uh, from, you know, I, I don't know, the, the archives from the Democratic Party from, and so on and so forth. Uh, again, the point has to be made that Donald Trump can access any classified documents he wants. He was the president. That's his authority. And so, again, what was the intent of Joe Biden? Now, the National Archives, by the way, do you recall how they were suddenly very, very aware that documents were missing from the National Archives? Like they had some kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, track my cell phone on these documents and they were at Mar-a-Lago. How did the National Archives not know that these documents were missing from uh, Joe Biden there? They're just sitting there in a closet and, and they don't find out until his lawyers discover them in this in this location. And of course, you know, here's here's what CNN's reporting and everyone else. The documents were discovered when the president's personal attorneys were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. The president periodically used this space from mid 2017 until the start of the 2020 campaign. On the day of this discovery, November 2nd, 2022, the White House Counsel's Office notified the National Archives. And they're trying to say, by the way, oh, well, look, I mean, they did the right thing here. As soon as they found them, they reported them to the National Archives while they sat there for we don't know how long. He had the space from 2017 until the 2020 campaign, and he should have had access. He should have had any classified documents in that space. Uh, That's wrongdoing in itself. That's wrongdoing in itself. And the archives, of course, didn't know they were there. And most importantly, again, they found these on November 2nd, 2022, as the midterm elections were happening. Early voting had begun. And once again, the media suppressed another story. Another story. Now, they ramped up the story of Mar-a-Lago, right? They even had the FBI invade Mar-a-Lago. 
storm Mar-a-Lago and seize the documents, which, of course, was unprecedented in American history. They could have subpoenaed them. And this is the thing, too. It's not like Trump was hiding anything, which is a mute point anyway, because he's the president. He can declassify. He didn't do anything wrong. But we have to go through this rigmarole every time with the media, because all they do is put out disinformation, just like The View does, which you're going to hear in just a moment. But he was in contact. His lawyers were in contact, negotiating, talking to the National Archives. So it wasn't some secret. He wasn't trying to hide anything. And in fact, the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago, looked at some of the documents that were there, and asked that he padlock his basement. And he did what they asked. So this idea that he was trying to hide something and, and would keep it, I mean, the FBI knew that he had documents. Everyone knew he had documents. And the reason, of course, that the DOJ didn't subpoena documents is because they would have to ask for specific documents and they would only get what they asked for. The reason they did this raid is because they could go in and take anything they saw in sight. Didn't have to relate to anything. They could just scoop it all up. And you know what? I report in the past, you know, uh, Cash Patel, this was kind of his theory, that they were going in there looking for things that had to do with uh, Biden corruption and other types of corruption in the Democratic Party. But I think one of the things we're also looking for, if you remember at this time, the J6 committee was empty handed. They had nothing to prove that Donald Trump incited an insurrection because, of course, he hadn't incited an insurrection because there also was no insurrection to begin with. And so I think they went there hoping they were going to find something, of course, to tie him to that or anything else, anything else. But here's Joe Biden. How the hell could that happen? How could anyone be that irresponsible, Joe? You just had classified documents sitting in an office. In some closet, some storage, you know, facility. Well, it's not a storage facility. It's a closet. Storage facilities where, you know, Barack Obama has a bunch of uh, classified documents stored, right? Oh, but the National Archivists are in charge. That's for his library. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, you know what? So, Captain, cue up the view. Cue up that cut. I want you to hear Joy Behar, perhaps the stupidest woman on earth, as a matter of fact. Now, this is a woman who is uh, unqualified to weigh in on any politics. Uh, She doesn't know anything about politics. She doesn't study politics. She is just a useful idiot, a mouthpiece for the Democratic Party, pushing false narratives and lies while gaslighting the American people and claiming that uh, we are the liars. Uh, These people are a disgrace. They're not entertaining. They exist for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to support the Democratic Party and to be a apparatus of this authoritarian regime that is ruling over us. Go ahead and play uh, the cut, Captain. Go. Really, I but, mean, I, I think that no, what you just said is yeah, right, that, yeah. that there are differences in what happened. Yes, but you know, the are not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know? <laughs> we know that. So it's not that big a jump to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's partly what's going on. But what I think also is going on, no matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. You think they're not going to spin this that is just as bad as Trump? And so the, the lie gets out there. People believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron, Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds. Yeah. I saw him also. He was at the uh, the fight on the floor, too, yeah. wasn't he? 
he was nominated for speaker a number well, of times. He by two people. Yeah. He's the new darling. In one of the 15 rounds. But, I mean, what I'm just saying is that the party. lying has been so invasive, mm -hmm. so ubiquitous, mm -hmm. that no one will believe the truth anymore. And that, that you can put that at the, at the feet of Donald Trump, who started the lying. So... Shut up! All right, shut the hell up, Joy Behar, you stupid idiot, disgrace to this nation who is out there putting out your propaganda, showing us your single-digit IQ. AOC is smarter than this, than this woman. And that, that I mean, that, that's impressive, I got to say. So, Joy Behar, there she is admitting it, right there on TV. Well, you know, we like Biden, and so um, we're going to defend him. We don't think Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. We get, but, you know, we don't like Trump, so of course we're going to go out and try and destroy him. Trump started with a lying? I mean, what is this woman talking about? <clears throat> Trump, Russia collusion, anyone? Quid pro quo, anyone? J6, insurrection, anyone? But there she is, Goebbels herself, reincarnated, sitting there on The View, spouting this nonsense, saying that we are spinning this. When she is using her platform to sit there and lie through her teeth to the American people, to you and me. Oh, what? Donald's, what's his name? Donald's, Donald's, Don, oh, Byron, Byron Donald's, oh, B Byron, Do she still can't get the name right, waving her hands. I mean, imagine if I came on this podcast with that uh, level of knowledge. Uh, Captain, um, he was like on the floor, right? You know, that guy, Byron Donald's, uh, he was... Yeah, that thing with Joe Biden that happened. I mean, this is an airhead. This is an airhead. But um, but that's what you get with Joy Behar and The View. And, um, you know, she's trying to claim, of course, there that um, we're trying to make this seem like it's as bad as what Trump did. Uh, it's not as bad as what Trump did. It's worse than what Trump did. Because, again, Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States. The Presidential Records Act relates to the president of the United States. You know, because this is for Joy Behar. I know she, she, she can't uh, read. She can't study. She can't keep anything between uh, her two ears. But I will, uh, I will tell you what's in the Presidential Records Act. <clears throat> okay, my friends, here we go. Here's the Presidential Act that they, of course, claim that Trump violated. These records, the presidential uh, records there, these records are eligible for access under FOIA five years after the president leaves office. The president may restrict access to specific kinds of inf information for up to 12 years after he leaves office, but then records are reviewed for FOIA exemptions only. Now, most everything, of course, is digitalized these days as well. That's what they do after with all of these hard copies as well. Um, but again, Donald Trump has access to these documents. He was president. Joe Biden was vice president. There we go. Joe Biden committed a crime. Uh, Donald Trump did not. And of course, you know, we're still waiting for uh, the other raids of his other estates, maybe in Delaware and everywhere else. But, you know, that would be unprecedented, right? That would be unprecedented. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, we are lying to ourselves the more we tell ourselves that we can somehow bring civility back. Uh, by taking the quote-unquote higher ground, the Democrats have laid the have, have made the rules. They've made the rules. Uh, their gloves are off, and um, these people must be 
persecuted, rightfully so. This is the difference, though, between our side and their side. They're guilty of wrongdoing. We don't have to make anything up. We don't have to make anything up at all. We just have to pursue the crimes and do what's right for the country. And honestly, the House Republicans, one of their top agenda priorities right now should be to draft impeachment articles for Joe Biden. I I can go down a list of 20 things that merit it. Now, I know what Alan Dershowitz will say. He'll come out, you know, as a Democrat still. Oh, no, we we can't go down that path. We can't go down that path. This is just unbecoming of the American people. Impeaching. No, no, no. There's no validation, no reason to impeach Joe Biden. You know, I look at what's going on in Brazil. I look at what's happening here in the United States of America with Adam Schiff, with the FBI, with him colluding with Twitter, with other social media companies to censor while free speech, to get rid of voices of dissent, to suppress the truth. And I have to ask myself, hypothetically here, Captain, hypothetically, theoretically, you know, at what point, at what point is it merited for the American people to rise up? Now, I won't use the word violent here or anything else, but, you know, you look at what happens is happening in Brazil right now. You know, um, are the... Are the politicians in this country, is the president of the United States in this country, by virtue of being a politician, a servant of the American people, permitted to just simply, if they win an election or even cheat and are installed as president, but once they're in there, what about their oath of office? What about their oath to protect and defend and uphold the Constitution? What are the consequences when politicians are corrupt, when politicians violate their oaths of office, when politicians scheme and collude against the American people to seize our rights, when they break the law, when they violate the contract between we the people and the government that says we're master and their servant? They can sick the FBI on law-abiding American citizens. They can target, they can use the purse strings that are unlimited of the federal government to destroy their political opposition. They can raid a former president's home. And then the media goes out and lies to the American people and justifies it and carries their water. What can the government not do? Is there ever a tipping point in this nation? Because all I see are corrupt politicians literally getting away with murder without any consequences whatsoever. And we're simply told, well, you know, You have elections. You have elections. But meanwhile, in the interim, in the two years or the four years, two years for House members, four years for the president, of course, and six years for senators, what, they can just violate the law with impunity? And we're called insurrectionists if we question them? We're threatening democracy if we demand that these politicians face consequences for their criminal activities? And really, This Biden story, the reason it's got me so upset, and I know all of you, many of you are feeling the exact same way, is because it's just, it's like, what is the straw that breaks the camel's back? In addition to the treatment of Donald Trump, which is also the treatment of the American people, of you and me, what of the corruption of Joe Biden? the email scandal that was suppressed to help them win an election, the election meddling there. What about Joe Biden selling his country out to China in the highest bidder? 
What about being a traitor? Can we not use that word anymore? Are we so civil? Oh, 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 can't say that word. I mean, they can say it about Trump all day long. I mean, I, I just, you know, the gloves have to come off. Again, not talking about violence here. But we have a duty and responsibility in this country to call them out. And to be honest, and that's what we, we have to do. Now, they're going to claim every single time <clears throat> they're going to beat us down because they know we're moral people and they're unbound. They're not virtuous. They don't have any morality whatsoever. They will do anything for power. They will lie. They will destroy. They will cheat. They will kill. Whatever. They know that we're moral. And they use that against us. And everybody has to ask themselves at some point, you know, you know, how do we, how do we thread the needle here between remaining virtuous, remaining steadfast to our principles, and combating these people who are basically... You know, it's like, it's like uh, Obama said. They bring a knife, we bring a gun. I mean, that's where we are. That's where we are. And of course, you know, I say that even referring to something Obama said. Oh, Drew's calling for violence. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, all right, go ahead and play uh, what, I don't know what cut we're on, Captain. Cap, cut, cut three here. Play cut. This is Lawrence O'Donnell. Um let me see if I've got it here. Anyway, yeah, go ahead and play this clip from Lawrence O'Donnell. He had a couple uh, lawyers on to discuss this to, uh, of course, you know, put out the talking points from the left trying to defend Joe Biden and put out, well, lies. Go ahead. This is, uh, this is a lawyer's last name's Moss. Go ahead and play it. Go. Number of documents isn't really what stands out to me because, candidly, any document with classification markings not in a proper location is a bad thing they never should have been there but what's different here and why i'm telling everyone to slow down with these comparisons tomorrow lago into what donald trump is facing is the absence of any obstructive or concealment efforts uh joe biden's team his lawyers did exactly what you do in this situation you call up the national archives you forward it to them you get them to pick it up immediately that's what they did the Justice Department is playing this very properly, you know, recognizing the political sensitivities. They're having the U.S. attorney, you know, in Chicago take a look at it. That's fine. This has no relation, no similarity to what Donald Trump did, playing games out in Mar-a-Lago, concealing things, having lawyers submit statements with false information to the Justice Department. This needs to be investigated, but this does not appear to be anything like Donald Trump did. Shut your face! Shut your face! <clears throat> Bradley Moss there. Um, you know, here's an analogy off the top of my mind. We'll see. It might not be perfect, but I guarantee it's a hell of a lot better than the analogy this next fella, uh, Weissman's going to make about a glass of milk. You know, it's almost like, you know, Donald Trump uh, owns a retail store. Owns a retail store. <clears throat> and uh, at his home is discovered... A shirt, a shirt that he's selling in his own retail store that he owns. Oh my gosh, Donald Trump is stealing. He stole the shirt. We found a shirt from the store that, that Trump owns at the home. Let me explain this. Because again, the president has the ability to view any classified documents. He can declassify any documents. Those documents are his alone. He controls them, okay? So in this retail analogy, it's like 
Well, Donald Trump had a shirt that should have been in the retail store at his home, but he paid for it. He owns it. He's the business owner. It's the same thing with these classified documents that Donald Trump has absolute access to, even if he requests it. Now, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's like a retail employee. Now, he doesn't own it. He was the vice president of the United States. He doesn't have the same power as the president of the United States. He's just, you know, down there, the VP, not the pres. And this guy, Joe Biden, has classified documents at his house. He has the shirt at his home. Well, you don't own that shirt, Joe. You're not the owner of the store. You're not the president. You're the VP. And you stole. By taking that document, taking that shirt, and putting it at your house, you stole. Does that make any sense, Captain? It's about the best I can do for an analogy here off the top of my head. I mean, to me, the issue is it's so obvious. I mean, I'm trying to explain something. I mean, basically, we're in a position here, or maybe we're putting ourselves in this position, where Donald Trump literally didn't do anything wrong. And we're sitting here to, it's like, it's like trying to explain to someone the sky is blue, trying to come up with an analogy to explain the obvious to somebody. But that's where we are. So uh, that was uh, Bradley Moss. Now, play this next clip of, um, of uh, Weissman, all right? cut four, I guess it is, Captain. So this is the same show, MSNBC, The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell. Uh, and I want you to hear uh, Weissman. This is another uh, lawyer who's going to embarrass himself on national TV. Go ahead and play it. Go. I think the the clip was missing sound there. Uh, We'll see if we can get it fixed. But in the meantime, let me tell you what what he says. So you have have Weissman there, and he's trying to explain the uh, intent, right? Intent is is really all that matters. It's it's what, you know, separates everything, the intent. And let me know if you can get it, Captain, because I really want them to hear this fantastic analogy that Weissman makes about a glass of milk. You think it works? All right, let's go ahead and run it again. Play, play the cut. Here's Weissman. I'd say a huge fundamental difference, in addition to what um, Bradley talked about, is intent. Um, there is a difference in the law about how you treat somebody who accidentally knocks over a glass of milk and somebody who takes that glass and throws it at a person. One is something that is dealt with under the criminal law, and the other, the accidental spilling, is not dealt with under the criminal law at all. Well, I, I got to say, Captain, after hearing that, I, I'm pretty impressed with my own analogy about the uh, retail owner and the T-shirt. That was pretty good. Way better than a glass of milk. Well, you know, Trump, he intentionally threw a glass of milk on somebody. That's what he did. And uh, 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 Joe Biden uh, spilled it on accident. So speaking of intent, you know, they were eager to place intent, to put intent on Donald Trump. Now, what is the intent? He's talking about intent. Oh, there's no intent here. Which, what? Why? Why did Joe Biden have these documents at his think tank? Why did he have these specific documents? What was the intent of having those documents there? Just because they realized, oopsies, maybe that's what happened. Oopsies, we've got a problem here, a potential scandal. And they decided in November to alert the National Archives, I mean, what were they going to do? 
break into the National Archives and put them back before they could notice they were gone? So it doesn't matter that they were discovered. What was happening with those documents in the interim when he was not in the White House, when he was not serving as vice president? Why were they there? Who saw them? Who had access? You know, Donald Trump, his were kept in Mar-a-Lago. These were kept in a, 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 you know, whatever, a closet in this door. Now, here's, here's a great story from the New York Post, by the way, and I'm sure that Weissman will be all over this. This is uh, the headline, $54 million in Chinese gifts donated to UPenn, home of the Biden Center. Now, is this a coincidence? Is this like, you know, a coincidence like uh, Joe Biden going to the only detention facility in all of America and there were no illegal immigrants there? So a government watchdog is demanding the U.S. attorney probing Hunter Biden in Delaware investigate tens of millions in anonymous donations from China to the University of Pennsylvania, where an academic center is named for his father, President Biden. The Ivy League College raked in a total of $54.6 million from 2014 through June 2019 in donations from China including $23.1 million in anonymous gifts starting in 2016. Most of the anonymous donations came after the university announced in February 2017 that it would create the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Joe Biden, whose term as vice president had just ended, was to lead the center and was also named a professor at the university. The Ivy League University received $15.8 million in anonymous Chinese gifts that year, including one eye-popping $14.5 million donation in May 2018. Records show, is it just a coincidence that the communist Chinese are pouring money into the University of Pennsylvania just so it happens around the same time that Joe Biden is granted this this, uh, think tank at the very university? I mean, I think that's worthy of a special counsel looking into this, don't you think? Don't you think? Now, by the way, uh, we've also found out what some of these documents were. They relate to Ukraine and some other things. I've got a stack of stuff here, if I can find it. Um, Doodly-doo. Well, we'll see. Anyway, I'll see if I can find it. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a short list out there that CNN's reported now that some of these classified documents, what they pertain to. And um, I just, I, I mean, it, it's just incredible to me that we're in this situation now. And I, I guess the frustrating to me, thing to me is that we have people in this country, Democrats, who are so, uh, well, they have a cult-like mentality. And they will sit here and ignore this completely. They will believe Joy Behar. And they have no shame whatsoever. Whatsoever. And uh, by the way, all these Chinese donors, the identities, uh, they're anonymous. I just, I mean, after everything that we know about Joe Biden and his ties to the communist Chinese, to sit here and have a media... Pretend like this is a nothing burger. 
after they just tried to claim a scalp from Donald Trump are still, look, there is still a special uh, investigator assigned to this Donald Trump crap. Now, Garland did something very interesting here, by the way, Captain. Now, we learned, of course, when they broke this story, that um, his last name's Lausch. Uh, Well, he's a Republican appointee. And this is the guy that the DOJ, Merrick Garland, assigned to look at, uh, you know, this situation with Joe Biden. Now, Democrats like this guy. Joe Biden tried to fire Lausch uh, when he came into office. Uh, and Democrats defended him and said, don't do it. Now, uh, Lausch was in the middle. He, he's from Chicago. He's a U.S. attorney in Chicago. And he has been uh, investigating corruption in Chicago. And, of course, the corruption involves pretty much all Democrats. Now, Garland could have assigned any U.S. attorney to this. Any U.S. attorney to this. Why did he pick Lausch? Now, the Democrats are coming out and giving the talking point, right? They're making sure that you know that this is a Trump appointee. A Trump appointee. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. There have been plenty of Trump appointees who jump ship and so on and so forth. I mean, really, that's meaningless. But there's two reasons I think he did this. One, to try and give the media a talking point, try, try and you know calm things down here and say, look how fair I'm being. That's the talking point from Kensinger. He's saying this guy's very, very fair, Lausch. But there's one point that needs to be made about this too. The U.S. attorney, every U.S. attorney, They work under Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is this guy's boss. It's the same situation when it came to this attorney looking into Hunter Biden in Delaware. Well, at the end of the day, a U.S. attorney is not going to prosecute something that Merrick Garland does not agree with. He works at the uh, enjoyment, his employment, subject to Merrick Garland, what Merrick Garland wants. So really, that's the point. They work for the DOJ, ultimately. So anyway, I think I'm going to move on from this. I think, you, I think we, get, we get the point here. So, you know, I, I, I said I was going to get into this yesterday, and I want to keep my promise. I do want to talk a little bit about Bolsonaro and what's going on here. You know, the, the, again, you know, what's happening in Brazil, what has been happening in Brazil, what happened with their election, what's happening at this very moment is literally the playbook from America, from the Democratic Party that they used to oust Donald Trump. Now, I'll tell you why. So, you know, Bolsonaro is a, a, a free market guy. Um, he's tried to privatize a lot of things in the country. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a capitalist. He's a capitalist. Um, his ideology is akin to what, what used to be the American ideology, something that we would promote and encourage throughout the world. And during the pandemic, Bolsonaro was actually on the right side of science. Bolsonaro stood against lockdowns. Bolsonaro actually um, tried to protect the Brazilian economy from suicide, like, you know, most countries committed, like our own. Locking 15 days to slow the spread. They lied to us. They got us to give up our liberty. They forced masks on our faces. They shut down our businesses all over a lie that it would have any impact whatsoever, and it did not. So 
Bolsonaro had a pair, if you will, and uh, he stood against that. Now, think about Donald Trump. Prior to the 2020 election, what was the talking point from the Democratic Party and Joe Biden? Well, yes, they compared Donald Trump to Hitler, but they also repeatedly claimed that Donald Trump was singularly responsible for all the death. All the death. He didn't do enough during the lockdowns, right? They put it at his feet. Well, they did the same thing to Bolsonaro to try and oust him. Um, Just like the Democratic Party went after Donald Trump for Trump-Russia collusion, just like they tried to put him in prison, they impeached him. Well, a Brazilian congressional panel back in, I think this was in uh, 2000, well, I think 2020, no, 2021, I think, when the pandemic was still ongoing. Well, in our minds anyway. Um, Well, a, a Brazilian congressional panel they recommended that President Bolsonaro be charged with crimes against humanity, asserting that he intentionally let the coronavirus rip through the country and kill hundreds of thousands in a failed bid to achieve herd immunity and revive Latin America's largest economy. Now, herd immunity was scientifically the correct way to go. That was proven in the end. So Bolsonaro took the correct approach. And what did the left try to do to him? They tried to claim a scalp, accused him of crimes against humanity. And this is from a New York Crimes, I mean, the New York Times article from October 19th, 2021. In deeply polarized Brazil, it reflects the depths of anger against a leader who refused to take the pandemic seriously. That's the exact attack, accusation, the Democrats made during the election year against Donald Trump. He didn't take the pandemic seriously. Never mind the fact that more people died under Joe Biden than ever died under Donald Trump. But of course, that went away because it's all BS. It's all just intended to give the Democrats power. The media just lies incessantly. So anyway, they they investigated. You know, the report found the president had pushed unproven drugs like hydroxychloroquine well after they had been shown to be ineffective for treating COVID-19. So that's actually an outright lie. Hydroxychloroquine, in fact, every study that was out there proved that hydroxychloroquine combined with zinc, actually saved lives, that it was highly effective. And even while those studies were out there and you could read them, the Democrat Party in America attacked the frontline doctors of America. They attacked Donald Trump, who pushed hydroxychloroquine, cheap drugs that save lives that were accessible right now. And here's them doing the same thing to Bolsonaro. Do you, do you see what's happening around the world with the puppet masters out there? Every single individual who's devoted to liberty, who's devoted to some type of constitutionalism, they're under attack by the left. The left in Canada, the left in America, the left in Brazil, the left all over the world. They're conspiring to do this. And if you look at the situation in America, Brazil was poised to have skyrocketing success. Business owners backed Bolsonaro in a big way. He won, of course, the election there. Our economy was roaring. Freedom was ringing throughout the world. And people were beginning to realize the benefits of conservatism, of our way of life, our political philosophy. And of course, the tyrants around the world could not sit there idly by and watch 
citizens globally realized that the left was a disaster, that the left was authoritarian, that our ideas actually work. And so what happened? We had a pandemic, a pandemic that was used to fundamentally transform the relationships between citizens around the world and their governments. That was intended to discredit free market ideas and capitalism and to regressively give control back to governments and politicians who were going to manage every aspect of our lives. So anyway, Lula, right? He's the guy who was uh, installed over there like Joe Biden in the United States of America. Look, you know, and we, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here. I don't have time to get into it. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've gone over it up and down. You guys know anyway. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a million different ways to talk about uh, cheating and election theft. There's actually fraudulent votes. There are unconstitutional changes to laws that benefit one political party over another. There's election interference and meddling where you suppress harmful stories that would most likely end a political candidate's chances of ever being elected. That's what happened here with a Hunter Biden laptop story and everything else. But, you know, um, Tucker Carlson covered this. I, I happened to catch it last night, and he did it in a great way. But here you have in Brazil, Lula, a convict, a person who was previously in jail for corruption, being elected over Bolsonaro over Bolsonaro, and it was the closest election in Brazil's history. Um, I, I'll tell you about Lula, because I don't think a lot of people know this. So he's a socialist, a traditional socialist. I mean, essentially, he's, he's got the ide- ideology, I'm not talking about the Holocaust here, but politically, the ideology of Mussolini, the ideology of Hitler, the ideology of Karl Marx, the ideology of all these people, the Bernie Sanders types as well. Now, he ran for president three times, I think, before he was elected in 2002. So this guy has been president before. And um, he was caught up in 2018. He was put in prison for something called Operation Car Wash uh, for corruption and money laundering. He spent 580 days in in jail, of course, until some uh, friendly justice got him out of there. But this was the first conviction of a former president in Brazil's history. Now, what Lula was doing, by the way, and you'll learn, this is what Joe Biden does. This is what Barack Obama has done. This is what Hillary Clinton has done. I mean, we have this type of corruption in America all over the place. But we can't put our politicians in jail. We can't investigate them, right? They're above the law. So Lula was found guilty of receiving $1.1 million in favors from a construction company. It was pay to play, right? Classic. So Lula granted favors to a state oil company. It was called Petrobus. And he gave them these lucrative contracts in exchange for financial compensation. Do you remember Solyndra, Captain, under Barack Obama? This isn't much different from that. You know, remember Solyndra. You know, that was a uh, startup solar company that investors said had no chances of success. Nobody wanted to invest in it because they knew that it was a boondoggle. And yet Barack Obama gave them a $535 million loan, taxpayer-funded. And that, of course, came about because of his massive stimulus package. And he was warned. He was told, don't do this. We're going to lose our money. It's a bad investment. But he did it anyway. And a year later, they went bankrupt. 
But of course, you know, Obama, even when he knew that they were, they were going to be financially a disaster, that they were going to go under, well, he went down to California where they built their plant. Part of that $535 million was given to them to build this plant. He went down there and toured the factory for a photo op and talked about how great it was. And we lost all our money. That was taxpayer money he handed to Solyndra. And really, nobody really looked into this enough. But essentially, it's the same thing that Lula did. It's the same thing that all these Democrat politicians do, whether they put that money directly into Obama's pocket or not. It came back to him one way or another through campaign donations and so on and so forth. And that's really where this goes. So anyway, Lula got out of jail. Back to Lula here. Lula gets out of jail and he runs for president against Bolsonaro. And the way Brazil works, it's a direct democracy. You know, that kind of thing that the Democrats want to instill in America. So the person with the most votes wins. wins. <clears throat> but they had uh, 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 an election first and 11 candidates run. None of them got above 50% of the votes. So the top two went on to a runoff, right? Like we saw in Georgia. And Lula got 50.9% and Bolsonaro got 49.1%. And of course, people were rightfully shocked. How could a convicted felon, somebody who was, who was in prison for corruption in this country, be elected over Bolsonaro by such a razor-thin margin. And they had issues with their uh, electronic voting equipment and, and, and all that sort of stuff, too. These questions were raised even before the election. And here's the reason J6 happened. Here's the reason uh, people are furious in Brazil. <clears throat> because in a civilized nation like the United States, like Brazil, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, this first world country that wants to ensure that our elections are free and fair. When massive amounts of evidence were presented that there were real instances, and we know there were instances of fraud, right? It's as simple as this in certain states where they put up these drop-off boxes. Well, they violated the constitution of the state. That obviously gives the Democrats a bigger hand, but it was unlawful. Things like that. In addition to signature verification and so on and so forth. But the point is, there were reports of this. And the people understand that something's wrong. And the government, the opposition party, the party that claims to have won, whatever, there is no looking into it. They don't look into it. And so nobody can ever have confidence in the election system because you have all these accusations out there and they're backed up by witness testimony and everything else. Everyone knows there's something wrong and and nobody takes any time to actually give people confidence. And that's the problem, you know? And that's, that's the difference in America. That's the problem here. And the courts, of course, refuse to address any of it when the Democrats lie and say, You know, the courts found that all this stuff was not true. That's not true. The courts in America refused to even look at it because they're scared. They're scared of what the Democratic Party would do if they got involved. The Democratic Party is scared if people actually found out and proved and got to the bottom of their corruption. They are terrified of what the American people would do if it got to that point, if they were actually exposed. And this is what the American people are sick and tired of. So anyway, you know, you know, the other thing that's crazy, you know, in Brazil, what they did in their talking points with Bolsonaro, they, they, their economy plummeted just like ours did, right? It just collapsed, essentially. 
Why did that happen? Because people locked down. Because of the stupid policies that we enacted to combat the pandemic. That's why it happened. People quit going to work and so on and so forth. And they blame Bolsonaro for it. They blame Bolsonaro for it because he didn't advocate for the lockdowns. He chose science. So because he didn't advocate for businesses to shut down, they blamed him. I mean, it's nonsensical. The reason the economy collapsed is because businesses weren't open. People weren't going to work. The economy just came to a standstill. Bolsonaro said go to work. And then they say Bolsonaro is responsible for it. He got people killed because he didn't come out hard enough against the pandemic. It's insane. All right, let's end with some good news, Captain. You ready? The Biden administration weighs nationwide ban on gas stoves. <laughs> ah, I tricked you, didn't I? There's no good news with this administration. I'm sorry. The good news is that, well, I love all of you out there listening, and we're going to get through this, through hell or high water. Um, and we're still alive and we still live in America and, um, and there is hope. But anyway, when it comes to this administration, I'm sorry, there's no good news. So the Biden administration is considering a nationwide ban on gas stoves, citing the harmful pollutants released by the appliances. Here we go again. Here we go again. So they're citing studies that basically also, by the way, I mean, man-made climate change is a hoax to begin with. Um, I've got three chapters in my book dedicated to this, uh, by the way. But anyway, um, so they want to get rid of gas stoves. I mean, they're saying it's causing childhood asthma. I mean, all kinds of... By the way, you know, so so one of these studies, and this is uh, absurd, by the way, so that they're saying more than 12% of childhood asthma cases can be attributed to gas stoves. Okay. Question, Captain. How many... How many uh, deaths can be attributed to the COVID shot and causing myocarditis? Isn't it interesting here that they got to get rid of the gas stove because they claim that, well, maybe more than 12% of asthma cases are caught. Well, how many people have died because of the clot shot? The gloves are off today, Captain. I I can't do it anymore. I can't sit here and be, you know, nice and friendly and try to make everybody happy. I can't do it. I can't do it today. People are dying from the vaccine. That's a fact. That's a fact. There's plenty of examples of it, and it's certainly causing myocarditis. Yesterday, I played a clip from you from Project Veritas in which a scientist from Pfizer admitted that they recognized that the vaccine was causing myocarditis in young people. But they didn't want to have to take the vaccine off the market because, you know, moolah. Moolah, baby. That's why. But my point is here, here they are. I mean, also, you know, I I was on, I, I do this weekly appearance, Captain, every Tuesday I go on the Vic Porcelli show. He's out in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, Randy Tobler, who was a, a, a doctor, was on before me. I was listening to him talk. And, and I heard this great point, you know, when it comes to every other vaccine, even Tylenol out there, right? There are side effects and they can cause harm, right? Even Tylenol, if you mix it with the wrong things, with alcohol, you might need a liver transplant. So you take it, you understand that. It's not necessarily going to kill you, but It's not great for everybody. Not everyone can do it. Some people have allergic reactions and you let people know. And that's Tylenol, which I think everyone can agree is very safe. Nobody's worried about Tylenol and Advil. But when it comes to this particular vaccine, it's like there's never been anything safer in world history, right? I mean, it's like 
you can't even have a conversation. I mean, Tylenol, you got to list warnings. But the vaccine? Oh, no, 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 no. And, and here's the shocking thing. You know, when I take Tylenol, it does reduce a fever. I can feel it. It does help with pain. You can feel it. When you get the COVID shot, you still get COVID. And this is the vaccine that we're not allowed to say might have some bad side effects and maybe somebody shouldn't take it. And you've got this administration and people out there that want to give it to four-year-olds. They want to give it actually to your newborn. And Captain, I'll be on this show to talk to you about it when it happens to me. Our baby girl is going to be born sometime in April. April 19th is is the due date. I will go to war. I will go to war if I have to have a conversation with some doctor about them trying to push this COVID vaccine on my newborn. Anyway, all right. So they, so they want to get rid of these, uh, these gas stoves. By the way, the other thing, you know, my wife is a chef. She's a chef. She went to school for it. She is a chef. She's been working as a private chef. She's been a chef in a, in a restaurant before as well. And the reason I mention that is because if there's a nationwide ban on gas stoves, that's with an open flame. You'll be eating microwave meals from your favorite restaurants. You cannot cook effectively, efficiently. You cannot make good food on an electric stovetop. Every kitchen in America, at every restaurant that you love, your favorite restaurant uses a gas-powered stove with an open flame. Cooking is about temperature control. Temperature control. And you do this in these industrial-style kitchens. Actually, in my house, we have a wolf, and it's gas-powered. It's an open flame, and it's amazing to cook on. And, you know, in the old days, these people, this administration coming out, I mean, you have the president of the United States telling the American people that he doesn't want you to have a gas stove at your home. How can any Democrat in this country sit here and want to elect this guy? In the good days, this would warrant tarring and feathering. Somebody with such a stupid idea. I'm heated today, Captain. I'm heated. I, I, I don't know if I should apologize or you should thank me out there. I'm just on one. I'm so sick of this. I mean, is there no end to this insanity? And I'm so sick of my Democrat. And I, you look, you're my brothers and sisters out there. You are. You are. I love you. I love you, even though you hate me. But what's wrong with you? Your president wants to ban gas stoves. I can't do it with these people. There's one more story here that, go, that goes along with the, the gas stove thing here, by the way. Here, here's the, the state of my life. Let's see. Uh, one page, uh, two page, uh, three page, uh, uh, 60 more pages. Uh, okay. All right, here we go. So Paul, Paul uh, Ehrlich. This ties in because, you know, the Democrats out there, I'm going to calm down for this last part. If you were in the room with me, this is how I would talk to you. Okay. Okay. Paul Ehrlich, the Democrats, the environmental wackos in this country, they believe that man is an unnatural plague on this earth. That's what they believe. That's what they think of you. That's why they love abortion and they have no problem killing people, you know, infants killing the unborn up until birth because, you know, we should be dead. 
The world would be, would be better off if we were dead. That's what these lunatics believe. So Paul Ehrlich, he is a infamous doomsayer. Um, and CBS recently had him on. He's what you call an environmental wacko. And Ehrlich uh, is trying to convince viewers that we're on a fast track to an environmental disaster of existential proportions because animal extinctions. He says in 10 years, all important animal life in the sea will be extinct. Tar and feather this guy. Tar and feather this guy. In 10 years, all the whales, all the sharks, all the dolphins, all the fish, Everything will just be extinct. Why? Let's, let's see if he explains. Large areas of coastline will have to be evacuated because of the stench of dead fish. This is somebody who the left takes seriously. They take this guy seriously. Now, he said that, by the way, back in 1970. That was the, 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 the trick here. I don't think I let off well with it. That's what he said in 1970. What year is it, Captain? Anno Domini, 2023, year of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me, just, let me just get the fingers up. 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 2000, 53 years later. So 53 years ago, Paul Ehrlich says that by 1980, all important animal life in the sea would be extinct. And this guy's still around. This guy's still taken seriously by the left. He said England would no longer exist in the year 2000 because of environmental disasters caused by overpopulation. Have you heard this line, too, from the overpopulation? You know, the Earth's overpopulated. I mean, anyway, he's still spouting this stuff. You know, but, but the, you know, the way these guys look at you and me, Captain, and all of you listening is, is we're just a bunch of, a bunch of uh, mouths to feed. You know, the, 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 the Earth can't sustain us, yada, yada, yada. There he is. There he is. The, the face of trust itself. I mean, uh, that's exactly right. Paul Ehrlich, right? So, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, the, 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 these, these, these people look at us like we're worse than mosquitoes. Uh, and, of course, what separates us from all animal life is our brains, right? I mean, I mean, think about this. You know, they talk about, for example, right, depleting oil. Oh, one day we won't have enough oil. Well, can I, pardon my my language here, but who the hell cares if one day we do run out of oil? This is why I say this. Who was using oil before we decided, before we innovated and realized that we could bring it up out of the ground and turn it into something that could light our homes and use for energy? I mean, were there, were, were some animal down there licking the oil? No, we we discovered it and said, "Hey, this could be useful." That's how amazing we are. But the left wants to destroy it. They want us to go back to living in caves. That's the only only future they see for us. I mean, how many species have we saved, by the way, because of our intervention? Anyway, I mean, I mean, and here's the problem with the wackos, though. You know, the enviro- environmental movement is really just a movement. I mean, it's disguised with this environmental agenda, but it's just a tyrannical agenda. 
I mean, these wackos believe that their theories justify tyranny, right? Here, here's Ehrlich, Captain, in his book from 1968. A good example of how we might have acted can be built around the Dr. Blah 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 incident I mentioned earlier. When we suggested sterilizing all Indian males with three or more children, he should have encouraged the Indian government to go ahead with a plan. We, the United States, should have volunteered logistic support in the form of helicopters, vehicles, and surgical instruments. We should have sent doctors to aid in the program by setting up centers for training paramedical personnel to do the vasectomies. Coercion? Perhaps. But coercion is a good cause. These people on the left will kill you and justify it. These people are our enemy. I just told you this guy thinks that the American government should have supported the sterilization, forced sterilization of Indian males because he believes they shouldn't have X number of children. Well, I think that Democrats shouldn't have any children, Captain. No children for Democrats. If you're a Democrat, I propose, I'm, if the House of Representatives is listening, propose a bill that bans Democrats from having any children. They can save the planet and our country at the same time. It's a twofer. It's a win. But anyway, I'm very serious. I think that the, uh, the U.S. House does need to draft articles of, of impeachment for Joe Biden. And the reason they should do it is because they need to publicly expose Look, I mean, they're going to have investigations going on, but they can put that all into these impeachment articles. I mean, what he's done with a border, that's an impeachable offense. What he's done in terms of selling out the country is an impeachable offense. How he's lied to this nation repeatedly is an impeachable offense. So let's just get on with it. It's time to go, uh, go to battle here. All right. Well, thanks for being with me, everybody. It's been a uh, heck of an episode. My goodness. I'll be lucky if I have a voice after this. Um, You know, more updates to come, I'm sure. You know, we'll see. We'll be on fire, I'm sure, again next time. Um, God bless you all, as usual. This is Jerron, the Millennial Minister of Truth. Proof, of course, that masculinity still exists. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. Allen. I look to this guy for wisdom.